from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we also on all the other big podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few. And if you prefer the video format of the show, we're also up and running on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Like, listen, share, subscribe. We appreciate all that support. What's going on, Drink? How we doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. How you doing over there? I'm doing well. Seems like we uh, did this not too long ago. Yeah, you know, <laughs> more just, ways than one. <laughs> just a little bit. It's not. It's nothing wrong with a little rehearsal, but uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, up Saturday, giving the people what they want. You know what time it is. We got to do our thing. We got to get our fi- our fix in for the weekend. Um, you know, we see what they don't say, what they want. Let's get it rolling. And you know, last but not least. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's go. Episode 41, the Bucks get blown out. The Blazers win with free throws, and we look back at a busy NBA trade deadline. But we start today with the NCAA tournament, and the Sweet 16 is set to get underway this afternoon. Top-seeded Baylor Bears will meet Villanova this afternoon, while Michigan and Gonzaga, they'll be in action tomorrow. The Cinderella of the tournament is Oral Roberts, and they face their next challenge in Arkansas this evening as they look to become the first 15 seed to make the Elite Eight. And the Pac-12, they have three of their four teams in action tomorrow night, including an interconference battle when Oregon and USC get together. Okay, Drink, what has your attention in these matchups, and who do you have in the Final Four? All right, so it's a few things that have my attention. The first thing I, I want to talk about is the double-digit seeds that still remain in this tournament. You got 12th seed Oregon State, 15th seed uh, Oral Roberts, 11th seed Syracuse, 11th seed UCLA. Um, I, and I know you're saying, oh, it's UCLA. Yes, but you got to remember this. This was not a normal year. UCLA played in the first four. So to make it from the first four to the final four is a tough task. Not to say it cannot be done, but you got to go through my boys at Bama. So we're going to talk about it. So, you know, um, just having, a, you know, the diversity. And, and, you know, like, I know a lot of people try to equate the format for college basketball and say, we can use it in college football, but this just shows you the reason you couldn't. Because, um, it's you know, every year we, we get into this debate, who should be number four. You have, like, seven legitimate teams, and the rest of them, you know, they fish bait pretty much. Hey, just going to put them on the hook. Let's go ahead and get this trout over here and hook it up. So, you, you know, this work. This is a beautiful format for college basketball. I love it. I like seeing the diversity, but let's just knock it off and let's leave March Madness alone and let March Madness have its own unique feel, and that's what we got here. Um, the second thing is um, 
I'm, I'm looking to see what that lone survivor of the Big Ten, Michigan, what they do tomorrow night. Can Florida State go get them out of here? Can Florida State go ahead and put the nail in the casket of the Big Ten Conference, even though they got nine teams in from the beginning? I can't believe it. So can Florida State make that happen? I'm curious to see. I'm ready to see. Let's roll. And then my um, third fact, last but not least, um, the Pac-12 Conference. We know half of the field of the Sweet 16 seems to be made up of the Pac-12 Conference. We did not see that coming. Um, well, let me say, I did not see that coming, not to speak for you. I didn't see the Pac-12 making that many teams in the Sweet 16, so I was uh, pleasantly surprised by seeing that. But now the rubber is going to meet the road. And what I mean by that is, Listen, you said in the lead-in, we got number seven, Oregon, versus number six, UCLA. Somebody got to lose. So, there go one Pac-12 team that's going to automatically make it on to the Elite Eight, and one that's going to bite the dust. You know what time it is. And, you know, UCLA, y'all count them out. They playing my boys. You know, win or lose, you know, draw. I'm going with my boys, so I'm going to count them out. But, with that said, I want to see you in the Pac-12. They're going to really be a strong representation of their conference here in the, in the Sweet 16. Um, they done made a, a lot of noise. Not knocking it, they done made a lot of noise. I'm, um, I'm ran to see that. So that that's an interesting nugget for me. Now, moving on to the Final Four. Uh, the, the representations I got for the Final Four. For the Midwest, I got Syracuse. Here's the deal. I know people say, hey, it's Syracuse. They barely made the tournament. I got it. But once they get into the tournament and... They they put that zone. Listen, all I know is this. I don't know what's what happens with that zone. I don't know if it's levels to the zone that they play, but the zone that they play in the conference tournament in the NCAA tournament is totally different from what they play in the regular season every day. Because the regular season, they just getting blown off the court. They get into the tournament and this zone give people fits. So if they, you know, I feel like if they get past uh number two Houston. Tonight, with that game being the nightcap at 9.55 Eastern Standard Time on TBS, then I, I, I feel like they will win this region. They they will be the representation of the Midwest region. The South region, I'm going with Baylor, man. And, you know, multiple reasons why I'm going with Baylor. Uh, here's the deal. The name of the game is recruiting, and Baylor is doing that now at a high. They're doing that at a higher clip than Kentucky, Duke, Kansas. I mean, listen, these are the facts. Go back and look at it. That Baylor is recruiting at a very high level right now. Um, they recruit at a high level the, last year. And now, with, not only are they recruiting with a high level, they're playing with a high level, which helps the recruiting. So everything is working for Baylor right now. Um, only thing they didn't do was win the Big 12, but okay, cool. Um, the team that did win the Big 12 took a hiatus in the first round. So call it what you will. Um, but Baylor seems to be a team that got everything together right now. I love every, the whole package with Baylor. And listen, they played number five Villanova today. 5.15 is standard time on CVS. If they go out here and ball up Villanova or make it look one-sided, then it's a wrap because we know what Villanova brings to the table. We know what Jay Wright brings to the table. Villanova's been in the national championship, what, um, at least two or three times in the last five years. I mean, and, and, you know, they hang around the Final Four. Listen, Villanova, the resume speaks for itself. So you can say whatever you want about them being down this year, they're still the Villanova Wildcats. So take that for what it's worth. So um, I'm going to take Baylor in the Southern Division. And then in the East, you know what it is. Road Tide, Nate Oaks, you know what I'm saying? My boy uh, Petty, you know, Herb Jones, that's C player of the year. 
all that and some, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let that get too far ahead of you. I'm going to take them over UCLA. I got a UCLA blue blood. Um, they were playing some good ball. You got to think at some point they're going to run out of gas. Now, it was a long break between the second round and the Sweet 16. It was a pretty lengthy break. But, you know, no team is shooting like Alabama is. Maybe Gonzaga, maybe. But Alabama is probably the top shooting team in the turn left in the tournament. Um, and I think that's very underrated because they play in the SEC. That's fine. No big deal. We'll show you what it is. Come holler at your boy. So my East representation is Alabama. And then in the West, this is easy. This is not rocket science. I'm going to take Gonzaga. Um, listen, when you talk about as much as I like Baylor, when I say the most complete team in this tournament, most likely, is Gonzaga. Zaga got back a lot of leadership throughout the years. They got seniors and juniors all over this roster. It is going to be a tough outing against Gonzaga, whoever to play. I mean, I think right now Gonzaga is the favorite to win the tournament. And I'm not mad at that because they deserve the right to have that, you know, they, they, they deserve the right to have that benefit of the doubt because of how they've been playing. Um, so I got, so in, in, um, the rehearse, um, I got Midwest, I got Syracuse, the South, I got Baylor, the East, I got Alabama, and the West, I got Gonzaga. That is my final four. Yeah, the uh, first things that uh, stand out is the uh, Pac-12 still being here uh, with four teams. So, so much uh, congratulations deserves to go out for them for this. And they'll, they're guaranteed to at least get one team through by virtue of Oregon uh, Southern Cal. Uh, but the tough thing about that is the winner of that game will most likely have to go up against Gonzaga. So we, we may be able to turn the lights down on them pretty soon. Uh, but but they've uh, performed much better than um, I could have ever imagined. And we certainly don't see this in uh, another sport. But we'll, we'll leave that alone. Um, I think um, as far as your number one seeds, uh, I've been concerned about Michigan um, for some time now uh, with Isaiah Livers uh, not being available. And um, I think I think they get got uh, by Florida State. And the betting line um, is pretty telling. That's the that two and a half that they're giving Michigan is the second um, tightest margin that the odds makers have. The other one is a two point advantage for Southern Cal against Oregon. And that's a six seven matchup. So that kind of gives you an idea of how the odds makers see it. And I think I think um, Michigan's been able to get through the first two rounds. But when, when you get to the regional semifinals and, and so on, it's a it's a different animal. Um, and I think Florida State's got the they got the size. They got the experience. Uh, they got a great coach in Leonard Hamilton. And I think I think Florida State's going to win this one. Um I think they're going to give uh, the size that they have is going to give uh, their big man Hunter Dickinson some problems, and I think I think Florida State will get through. Um, Alabama, I think Alabama is going to get through, and I think Alabama will be your representative out of the East. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, I just think they're too good, and I, I do agree. I think they're the favorites. I think they wind up winning it all, and you know, Creighton's that's a fine program. They've had a, a tremendous season. Uh, but I don't think, and I think they'll be able to score. They'll be able to score, but you're going to have to get some stops against Gonzaga. And I think Gonzaga is just too powerful. I think that one's going to be a, a shootout. You, you could see that game uh, get well into the 80s or the 90s. 
uh, with how those teams play offensively. But I think I think Gonzaga comes out of the West. Uh, Oral Roberts has been a has been a wild ride, and I think I think they that could be they could give Arkansas some problems. Remember, Arkansas had had a, they had a lot of problems in the first round against uh, Colgate, who was a 14 seed. Um, so and Oral Roberts has that duo, you know that you know the first round game they scored almost 60 points, I believe. So they got a they got a dynamic duo that can give you a lot of problems. Um, you know what? Who cares? Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is in the Elite Eight. Go ahead and come on it. Come on in there. But you know, uh, beyond Oral Roberts, you know, in that South region, at the end of the day, I think I think Baylor, much much like Gonzaga, is too good. I think I think Baylor is also too powerful, and I think Baylor will wind up um, getting getting through for the South region. You know, I don't see. I don't see Villanova being able to handle what they can do, even though you're absolutely right. Villanova is a, uh, they're a top five program um, with, with what they're able to do year in and year out. And regardless of, you know, what you think about how they played in the regular season, probably wasn't quite up to par with what Jay Rice used to, they in the Sweet 16. So at the end of the day, I mean, it don't matter. Like, for example, we know Syracuse. Syracuse year in and year out, they always on the bubble. They find they always wind up on the right side of the bubble, and then they in the Sweet 16, and no one really cares that they're an 11 seed, which is what they're doing again. And I, uh, I really hope you're wrong about this. I, I have no interest in seeing that zone anymore, and I have to. I really hope Houston gets them on out of there because if they beat Houston, then they'll have a great chance. Because I think. I'm more confident in Loyola Chicago beating Houston than I am in Loyola Chicago beating Syracuse because of that zone and the problems it gives teams, you know, outside the ACC who see it, you know, week in and week out. Uh, But I do have, I think Houston does get Syracuse and I think Loyola Chicago is coming out of the Midwest. I've seen enough on them. I'm sold that they no no team out there epitomizes the word team, then Loyola Chicago, their, their talent, their talent level, you know, is not the same individually as a lot of these other teams, but especially in this, um, uh, that, that you know, got to feel they're a favorite. They're a seven point favorite against Oregon State. So they're getting respect here. I think they get through and I think they able to get another big upset against Houston. So my final four, Gonzaga and Baylor, they handle their business. Alabama gets through. They uh, they beat Florida State after Florida State beats Michigan, and Loyola Chicago. That Cinderella story continues, and that'll be your that'll be your final four. All right, moving on to the NBA, and a big win for the Boston Celtics last night, who defeated the Milwaukee Bucks one twenty two to one fourteen. Jason Tatum led the way with thirty four points, but he got a lot of help. Solid performances from the likes of Jalen Brown, Kimmel Walker, and Marcus Smart. Uh, the Bucks were anything but solid. No player reached twenty points. Chris Middleton. Scored a team-high 19, but Giannis was lackluster for the second straight game, and fellow starters Brooke Lopez and Dante DiVincenzo combined to shoot 7 for 25. That's pretty bad. The loss snaps an eight-game winning streak for Milwaukee, but there's still a six-game gap between them and the fourth-place Hornets. Might have to start paying attention to the Hornets because they're in fourth place now. Uh, Drink, obviously a much-needed win for the Celtics. Do you see them building off of this, or will their inconsistency continue to frustrate us? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I, I, they're going to build off this. This is a good win, man. Now, you know, think about this. Uh, before this game came on, ain't no way, ain't no way you would have told me the Celtics were going to have that third quarter that just blew this thing open like they did. Yep. 
Um, but look to Boston. This is how you play. Listen to me, Boston. This is how you play. This is what we want to see. This is what we're here for. This, this, Boston. This. This is what we're here for. This is the team we thought we was going to see in the beginning of the season that we didn't. Okay, whatever. Work out the kinks. But this is what we want to see post-All-Star break. Just keep that in mind. This is post-All-Star break now. Ain't no more working out the kinks. Ain't no more we got time. You know, no. Yep. We need... We need what we need. We got what we got. This is what I'm talking about, Boston. This is, listen, you keep this up, you can move up the Eastern Conference ranks, and then we'll see where it go right now. But right now, you're getting outclassed by the Hornets. The Hornets. Come on, man. That name, that name was given to two different franchises because nobody cared. Come on. <laughs> The Hornets, man. Come on. Y'all got to – Celtics, y'all got to get it together. But I thought last night was, like you said in the lead-in, a much-needed win. Uh, and I think it is a confidence booster. Now, let's talk about Milwaukee for it. Hold up. Wait a minute. So, people want to tell me Giannis is going to be the face of the NBA once, you know, LeBron hang it up. I'm telling you right now, if Giannis keep – if Giannis don't win a championship within the next two years, he ain't going to be the face of nothing. You hear me here. I don't care how good he is. I don't care that he win these MVPs. I don't care that he's a freak of nature. I don't care about none of that. I'm starting to care about the fact that he can't get it done. This is what it's coming down to. The difference between the goods and the greats is the greats get criticized no matter what they do. The goods only get criticized on their terms. This is why LeBron get criticized every time we turn around. Because he's great. And if Giannis want to be considered great, if KD want to be considered great, if these guys want to be, this is the time. You're going to get criticized and as they should. This this ain't it, Giannis. You're supposed to be the leader. This ain't it. Point blank period. Come on, man. This wasn't it. And then, like you said in the lead in, this is second straight piss poor game. Let's just call it what it is. Yep. For Giannis, it's piss poor. For you know, for uh, Quinn Cook, his stat line might be good. For Giannis, not so much. Such a random player to name. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm trying to get one out that's, there. You know what I'm saying? That's good though. <laughs> that might work for old Quinn. This is not working for Giannis. We need more. They need more. The Bucks need more. Like, come on, man. You think they spent all this money in the offseason for you to be doing it? No. Come on, man. I was just about to get ready to be like, oh, Bucks on the street. They making their move back up to the first of the East. And then they go out here with this performance. And listen, I got it. It's the NBA during the regular season. Some nights you have it, some nights you don't. I got it. I just feel like when you're playing a primetime team on national TV, that's the night you should have it. If you're playing on the league pass and you want to mail it in, hey, Go over to the Milwaukee Bucks stream if you want to see the game. When you hear that, then you can mail it in. Maybe you can, you know what I'm saying, do whatever. But when you're on TNT and ESPN or NBA TV and you're the, you know, one of the highlighted games, Giannis, this is what makes people, like, start to forget about you because you disappear on the national games. What are we doing here? So, in a, in a nutshell, I do think Boston is going to start getting their act together. I, if anything, I K 
can we call the Bucks inconsistent? Because I, I don't know. Like, I, I got that they was on a win streak. But if I go and break down that win streak, we might be talking about something different. And now they're going up and down. Giannis is up and down. Their best player is up and down, by the way. And and I'm hearing the rumblings about the coaching staff. And I don't know, man. We got to get it together. So to answer your question, I do think the Celtics are coming alive. I think they're starting to get in their own. Listen, you got 34 for Tatum. That's about what we like to see out of Tatum. The guy that we've been talking about the most for Boston missing action was Marcus Smart. He gave you 23. Listen, Boston, if Marcus Smart going to be giving you 23, which I don't think he's going to be doing that on a regular, on a routine, but you get 23 out of Marcus Smart, we got to win. We got to figure this out. We got to win. So, um, you know, I don't want to take up all the time, but, you know, those was – Boston, before I get out of here, this is how you play. This is how you play, Boston. Brad, I don't know what what you you know what you gave him before the pregame. You know what I'm saying? What the speech was? What y'all ate last the night before? Do it again, cause this is how you play. Over to you, Jay. That was that was loud. I turned my volume down a little bit earlier, and I feel like I needed to turn it down again. You're just yelling at me the whole time. <laughs> sorry, you know sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was passionate about it. I had my passion going. Uh, you know, as but as as much time as we devoted to Boston this year, some of that's coincidental. Um, but we've we've given Boston a lot of time um, this season, and this this is the type of performance we've been waiting for. You know, uh, and it comes down to you know, they're two young guns leading the way. And they've been, for the most part, been really rock solid. They've been averaging, uh, at some point, they were averaging both 25 a game. And, but we, we also, we were also looking for their third guy, you know, the old veteran, Kimball Walker. He's been, you know, he was, you know, come back from injury, got off to a really slow start, but he's been slowly but surely rounded into, you know, <clears throat> what he should look like, you know, a close to an all star version. Uh, and Marcus Smart, of course, being the X factor. And it was obviously those four guys who carried the water. They were all pretty good to, you know, they played well. You know, anytime you can get, you know, I think I want to say that's, what's that? Is that 98 points between all four of those guys? That's quick math that I just did. But, you know, you get 98 points from four guys. Uh, you probably, you know, you should be in pretty good position. And, uh, of course, we do know the trade deadline just happened. So some of these teams were in a little odd situation. And we'll, you know, we'll get to that. I think, you know, for example, in our next topic, Miami had like nine guys because they made so many moves. Uh, but, you know, a lo little bit shorthanded. You know, Boston just made a deal. They got the, uh, Daniel Tice is now gone, uh, waiting on Evan Fournier. Uh, but, I you know, uh, Robert Williams, I don't want to undersell how good this young guy is. Uh and the stats may not blow you away off the cuff, but, you know, you read seven points, nine rebounds, six assists, two steals, five blocks. That has a little Draymond, Grill, Draymond Green feel to it. He's not Draymond. Now, he's not Draymond Green, absolutely completely different player. But the things he can, that he can do, and we talked about, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but this could also have a little bit to do with, you know, how they, you know, they felt comfortable letting Daniel Tice go because they've seen enough of Robert Williams to know this guy looks like the real deal. Um, and you can do a lot worse 
than Robert Williams. You know, the rim protection, the athleticism, playing above the rim, all the things that he does. Um, I think it's going to take some time for him to grow into the starting role. You know, they may have some communication lapses, you know, without Tice. Uh, but this, like you say, this is what we've been waiting for. This was a pretty outstanding performance. Uh, they made a boatload of threes. They made 22 out of 47, 47% shooting the lights out. Um, competed on the glass. Milwaukee, you know, I believe they're the best rebounding team in the NBA. Uh, and of course, Milwaukee, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not here to, you know, get on Milwaukee. I think you took care of that. They're, they're deserving of taking criticism today. Giannis is deserving of taking some heat. These last two performances are not a true representation of how he's played recently. Um, you can go back and look through it. He had, you know, earlier this month, he had four straight triple doubles. Um, so he's he's been playing at a really high level. I don't know what Boston, how Boston held him to 29 points in two games, but they did it. So good for them. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, and we talked about Milwaukee. They just, they just wind up doing this from time to time, you know, and don't, don't forget, they did play Boston on Wednesday night, you know, and they ended up getting that win. So you, you never know. You're playing the, t- the same team two two games in a row on, in three nights, you know, oh, we just beat them. It ain't got nothing to worry about, but uh, you do have something to worry about. So as we always say, Mike Budenholzer, could you get your guys together? Let's play with some consistency. I know you've won. You'd won 13 or 14 and eight in a row and all the rest of it. Uh, but yeah, I, y- your overall point about Milwaukee is correct and about Giannis. If you want to be the face of the NBA, you have to win something, something meaningful. We got to at least we got to at least see in the NBA Finals, and that's going to be a tall task this year for Milwaukee, because the last couple of years they've been the best team, not only in the East but in the league, and it ain't been close in the regular season. This year it's been Philadelphia and Brooklyn are with you step for step, and they've been ahead of you most of the way, uh, which may end up helping them because they can fly just a little bit under the radar. Expectations have dropped, I think, a little bit. That could end up helping them. Uh, and it just just as a side note, they did it. They uh, they didn't have PJ Tucker last night. They didn't have Bobby Porter's. I don't, that that probably wouldn't mean a big deal in this game uh, because their starters were you know so lackluster. Um, but I, I I wouldn't read too much into it from Milwaukee's point of view. This is definitely this game was definitely way more important to the Boston Celtics. And I'm not you know I've I've you know I've been a fierce defender of Boston all year I'm not jumping overboard just yet but even with this performance you know because based on what we've seen recently I'm I'm starting to get concerned I'm starting to get concerned because this this is about the time you know in a couple weeks ago post all-star break you need to start playing with some some consistency and they still flopping around down as the seventh seed the good news for them is you know, four through eight, four through nine, those teams aren't separated by very much at all. It's like two or three games. So they got time. It won't take much of a much of a hot streak for them to get in good position and get up to that four seed. But they they are running out of time. And I'm I gotta admit, I'm getting concerned. And Brad Stevens running out of time. Oh, oh, slid that one in. <laughs> All right, we now move to Miami where the Portland Trailblazers picked up a final second win against the Heat, 125-122. That was on Thursday night. 
Trevor Reza fouled Damian Lewis with one second left on a three-point shot. Lillard sank all the free throws as the Blazers got back in the win column after they had dropped two in a row. C.J. McCollum led the way with 35 points, including 21 in the first quarter to compensate for an off-shooting night from Lillard. And Enos Cantor was also key with 18 points and 16 rebounds. Miami got huge performances from Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, but it just wasn't quite enough on a night they were without Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. The Heat have now lost six in a row, including last night's loss to the Hornets, and they've now slid back to the eighth seed. All right, are the Heat's recent troubles simply injury-related, or is there more to it? I think you got to say there's more to it. Um, <clears throat> you got to think injury plays, if you put a percentage on it, right, you would probably say injury plays, what, maybe 50%, and then the other 50% is chemistry and just experience and just playing with each other. Um, and then not to mention, not to get into the next subject too much, but now you're going to have new pieces that you got to inquire into the rotation and see how they go. I think so. I do think that plays a lot. Not the injury to Gordon Dragic, because I felt like he's been hurt since he's been in a Miami jersey. Um, and you know, Jimmy Butler, listen, like he be in and out. Like I didn't even know he was gonna miss that game the other night. I, I thought he was playing, and then he wasn't there. Um, but nonetheless, with all that said, the Heat are still in a good position. Think about this now. You didn't have your leader. You didn't have your main guy. You didn't have your quote unquote face of the team. And, and Jimmy Butler. You didn't have the guy that he depends on in most games going Dragic. And if you think I'm lying, go back and look at Jimmy Butler's interviews during the NBA Finals last year. He brought up Gordon Dragic every single interview, at least once. Hey, man, we missed seven. Hey, man, we need seven. We would be more equipped if we had seven. You know, so on and so on. So that's the guy that Jimmy Butler believes in. But then Jimmy Butler's not there, so I guess you could call that a compound problem. Um, so that's that. Now, on to the game itself. It's just like, hey, man, hold on. Wait a minute. I'll be remiss if I just don't do this one. One time for the one time. And I'm going to tell you why Why I feel like the, the Heat deserves this. You have, We have to understand, the Heat was one of the main teams in this trade deadline talk. They made moves in the trade deadline talk. Yet and still, they went out without their leader and played a Blazers team that, that, that a Blazer team that's pretty hungry right now. That that's trying to show that they deserve some respect. Um, one of the better players in the NBA and Damian Lillard, and then one of the better Robins in the NBA and CJ McCollum. And you go play them. You play them tough. I not some old. We're gonna mail it in. You play them tough. I mean, I was very impressed with the Heat. I mean, listen. This is why I have a problem sometimes with trade talk for young players. But this is a business. It's a business nonetheless, so it's going to happen. But you see Duncan Robinson, like, I just feel like the trade talk might have got to him a little bit. Because you think about this. Duncan Robinson was out of here. He was out of here. If it wasn't for Tyler Hero being trying, if it wasn't for Toronto trying to add in Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson was gone. He, was, he would be wearing a Toronto Raptors jersey right now. But Miami said, no, you're not getting hero, and then we know what happened, right? Um, so I brought that up because I think Duncan Robinson didn't play his best game due to all the surrounding distractions. He kind of disappeared like Jimmy Butler's um, NBA bubble mustache. He, he, he kind of – he just – he disappeared. And I, and I understand it because when you're a young player – and we seen it with the Lakers last year or two years ago – 
We seen it with them two years ago. When you're young and you you're just hearing you're out of here, you're out of here, you're out of here, it, it messes with you psychologically. And that's why I think happened to Duncan Robinson. But it didn't matter. Why it didn't matter? Cause you had Alabayo. And you got Tyler Hero. And you got Kendrick Nunn. And you got a couple of others, you know. So it didn't matter, but that's something to look on as far as the future go. How confident do Duncan Robinson maintain as the season goes if he's if he thinks Miami don't really value him? Because that is kind of what it sounds like, right? They want to get him out of there for old ass Kyle Larry. So that's it. That's them. The Blazers. Um, you know. This is, I thought for the Blazers, it was just a normal Blazers performance, to be honest with you. I was more impressed with what the Heat did. The Blazers, this is what you get. I mean, user is Leonard with the 35 and McCullough with the 22. They switch spots. No problem with that. Melo drop you 20. But but Counter, Enos Counter, yeah. that, that's why they won the game. That's why they won the game. Let's, yep. let's go ahead and say what, say what you say. But that's why they won the game. Because Kenner was a beast on those offensive boards. In the fourth quarter, that late, like, last two minutes of the game, man, let me tell you something. I like Adebayo, but he wasn't getting it done on that board. Like, Kenner was over here one-arming it and one. Like, he was doing his thing. And I felt like that's why the Blazers – because if you remember, the Heat was up in the last two minutes. They was, they was up because you had Hero rolling. You had Adebayo rolling. They was making, on the offense side of the board, they was doing what they were supposed to do. The problem was, when they got the Blazers to miss a shot, they wasn't boxing out Cannon. And Cannon yeah. just get do his thing, go to the free throw line. And then, like you said, at the end of the game, it came down to Dame versus um, Ariza, which Damon Little is an all-NBA player. But he tends to shoot himself out of good plays sometimes. So... I'm not mad if I'm Miami that I got Trevor Reza on him because Trevor Reza is known as a, you know, a decent to good defender. He's not terrible. So I'm like, all right, cool. Reza, you got him. That's all we need from you. Whether we like it or not, that was a foul. It yep. was soft as baby stuff. It was softer than baby, you know, baby poop. But it was a foul. You cannot touch the shooter's arm when they're in a shooting motion. He, he touched his elbow. Graze did it. Did it um change the shot? Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't matter. The rule book say you can't do that. He did that. He violated that. The referee called it. As heartbreaking as it is, it's part of the game. You and it's not like he fouled, let's say, Robert Covington. He fouled Damian Little. Like, let's let's be real here. Players matter. And if you're gonna go against a all a superstar, all NBA, you know, all-star player like um, Damian Leonard, and you're going to put yourself in that situation, you're going to get called for the foul. That's just what it is. You're going to get called for it. A guy like him that's shooting a three with his history, with his resume, you're going to get called for that. So, unfortunate as it was for the Heat, it is what it is. But they'll be fine as long as they keep playing the way they play. They just need to maintain the intensity that they got right now. Just keep it going. You're going to get Jimmy Butler back at some point. You might get Dragic back. I don't know. You might get him back. I'm not 100% sure. Just keep it going. You're going to work your way back into the mix. It's the Eastern Conference. You real work your way in the mix. You said the jam law between four and nine. So you go work your way yep. back in. Yep. Um, so with that said, 
They'll be fine. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Once Jimmy Butler come back and get back in the groove, we'll see. I'm not worried. I think the Heat are fine. And I just think the Blazers was the average Blazers. I didn't see none that blew my socks out. They just was what they were. So that's my opinion on that. I think, um, you know, and to just, you know, address the question real quick, I, I think the Heat's issues last night or Thursday night, they, they were strictly injury-related. You know, I think you plug Jimmy Butler and or Goran Dragic in that game and they win it. Uh, but but of I don't course, know about Goran Dragic. I don't know. I, I'm I'm with. Okay. I don't know about Goran Dragic. Jimmy Butler, I give you that. I don't know about Goran Dragic. I think. Well, I think. Um, I think you know the Dragic is important because offensively, Miami without those two guys, they struggle a little bit to run a good offense, and we know how lethal Dragic is. You know running offense, running side, pick and roll, whatever. Uh, he can do that for you. So I, I think that's why, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from. If you make it on the court. Well, yeah. Uh, obviously, you got to get out there to you know, handle the ball to have effect. Uh, but, um, yeah, Miami, like I said, a little shorthanded. Uh, they, they were very active at the trade deadline, so they only had nine guys. I'm out here trying to figure out who uh, Michael Struess is, kind of, Kind of had a little bit of game to him, though, got to admit. Uh, but as you say, you know, as much as we can talk about C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard closing this thing out, it was Enos Cantor who just – and I tell you, guys like him and guys like Tristan Thompson just get on my nerves. And I know they get on coaches, opposing coaches' nerves because Miami, you're getting stops late in the game and you just don't finish it with a defensive rebound because any, any coach will tell you – the defensive possession is not over till you get, till you get the ball. You have to get the rebound, and they could they couldn't do it. So Enos Cantor was just fantastic. He was all over the glass, you know. And this this can happen from time to time. If you have your main big man Bam Adebayo, you know, trying to contest something, somebody else has to drop down and help on the glass. So I I wouldn't necessarily put it all on Bam Adebayo, but he's, there's probably some plays where he probably could have done better, uh, but. I mean, you have to be encouraged that Miami, this shorthanded, was this competitive and had a chance to beat a pretty good basketball team. And Bam Adebayo, that was that was some performance. 29, 9, 7, and 5 blocks. Uh, it, there, there are very few guys in the league, period, that can do that. Um, and he just continued. You know, we talk about most improved player, you know, a couple of years ago or at some point I believe he got it. Um, he's just continuing to get better and better, uh, expanding his offensive game just a little bit. He's got, I think he's got a little bit more range uh, on the jump shot. He can step out a little bit in the mid-range. Um, that little push floater type deal, I don't know if there's a big man out there that does it better than he does. Um, and, of course, we know how, you know, how effective he is um, in the lob game. A lot of lobs up to Bam. Uh, the hero performance is probably the most encouraging thing for Miami. Uh, he's been a little bit, he's been, you talk about up and down. He's been up and down a lot of this season. Hasn't been the same consistent, just uh, put the team on his back type thing that he can do in stretches that we saw in the bubble. Uh, but this was a really good performance. You could say he's playing with a little bit more confidence. And Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn was very good in this game as well. Outside of those three guys, you know, those three guys really carried them. They didn't get a they didn't get a lot from some of these other guys. Oh, by the way, I mean a guy Gabe Vincent is starting this game. No clue who that was before this game. So 
also take that into account. So, uh, so I was, I was pretty encouraged in a losing effort, uh, but Portland is prone to do this, you know, in these type of situations, I'm not, you know, playoff time, you know, I've been out on Portland since, you know, they were a no show against the KD less Golden state warriors when they got the old broom action going on them. So, but in the regular season, in some early round playoff action, they are subject to do this type of thing. CJ McCollum comes out there and just went bonkers in the first quarter, um, you know, to the point where who I think was it Greg Anthony is like, oh, he's going for 50 tonight. I'm like, he's not. Yeah, going for 50. No, yeah, he's not. Yeah. No, he's not, Greg. Uh, but but he can do this. And, you know, obviously, Damian Lillard, he, he was not very good in this game. I think he's been on a little bit of a cold streak. Uh but, you know, in a late game situation, you know, he's there really isn't anybody probably that you'd say is more clutch than Damian Lillard right now. Um, and unfortunately, I don't like to see games end like this the way they did, but it was a foul. Um, and again, that comes down to Trevor Reza getting a little bit old. Uh, but still, I mean, if you're Miami, you have to like, you know, it was it was a tough shot. You just barely grazed him. I thought he caught him on the forearm, uh, but right. I, and I, and I think in the big picture in that regard, because I am, I'm, I'm so tired of jump shooters getting fouled. I, it may be worth, and I'm sure you know guys talk about this. Maybe contest a little bit differently. One of the things that comes to mind when I'm thinking about not fouling jump shooters is stop going for the ball. You, the, the guy that comes to mind who was really good at contesting without fouling is a guy like Shane Battier, who would always take his hand and go straight for your face, you know, so to obstruct your view. I feel like some guys now, there's so much different. They're trying to go from the side. They're trying to swipe the ball. You go straight middle to a guy's face. I think you might have a little more success. The problem, The problem is, I think, you still have to worry about if you step forward, you're going to get into the guy's landing space. So it's not it's not a it's not a simple issue, but those things to lose a game like that plus the fact that you couldn't grab a defensive rebound, that's got to be really frustrating even though in the big picture, they deserve a lot of credit for how they competed in this game. And and to your point, Shane Battier played in the era before we had the the rip through and uh Yeah. I could just jump into the guy's chest and get a right. like it's a lot going on out there that you have to think about now. You know what I'm saying? It's same better to his credit. He played in the era where yeah, I could put my hand in your face, but that was before I could put my hand in your face and then do this move and yeah. now I automatically go to the free throw line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or I can jump into you and shoot sideways and all this other mess. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's a little I'm, harder for defenders. It, it is, and I'm, I guess I'm just the frustration for me is offensive players. They have so many different advantages off the fact that where a defender is is already at a disadvantage because he's reacting right. to everything the offensive guy is doing right. and all the different rules and all different things that we're, that we're doing now. It's only helped the offensive player. I'm just looking for as a guy who, you know, wants let's let's at least give defensive players a chance. And even though that was that was that was a clear foul, it, it happens on so many occasions and games that end like that, they're, they're not, they're not good for the NBA. You don't want to see a game end on free throws the way that did. So, right. you know, lo- long-term, you know, I think that we just, we just defenders and coaches that are known for defense, hopefully just got to get better at defending jump shooters without fouling. 
Okay, staying in the NBA, we go to the NBA trade deadline where we saw a flurry of moves. Several contending teams were active while others were content to sit back. Uh, the Bulls were one of the teams surprisingly active while the Lakers and Nets didn't end up making any moves at all. I remember we was talking about this Wednesday drink and we were a little concerned would we see nothing at all? Well, we ended up seeing quite a lot. Uh, give me your winners and losers from the trading deadline. All right, so um, I'm going to go with the obvious winner. I, mean, I think this team was a winner on most people's radar, and that's the Denver Nuggets. Um, listen, Denver going for it. I ain't mad at it. Aaron Gordon, JaVale McGee, I ain't mad at it. I I, I see you, Denver. Um, but it, it gives them – so they created more depth in the five spot with JaVale McGee, um, which is something you want in the postseason. Even if you don't need it right now, it is something you will need in the postseason when you start adjusting in series. You might play a bigger team. You might play, you know, what what it might have you, but now you have options. But the biggest move for me is Aaron Gordon, man. Now you have an athletic four, possibly five if you go small, but an athletic four that can guard some of the top-level teams that you're going to probably see. What do I mean by that? All right, so now you got a guy that can guard LeBron. You got a guy that can slow down AD. You got a guy that can probably slow down Kawhi, a guy that can give Paul George fits. I'm not saying Aaron Gordon is some lockdown defender, but I am saying he's so athletic and he's so young, he can slow those guys down, and that's what you need. So I was I, I was really um impressed by that move. I'm glad the Nuggets are going. They're going for it. That's what I like. I like the aggressiveness. They're going for it. One thing we say about the Nuggets, it's just so hard to take them serious because you just don't know if they're gonna be in it, if they're gonna go for broke. We seen them in the Western Conference Finals last year. We was like, okay, this is a team that we should see multiple years now coming up out the West. Now that they made these moves. Our energy is renewed for the Nuggets now. Maybe they, they they go back towards what we thought they would be. So I love what the Nuggets did. Another team, uh, I like what they did, um, was the Heat. So, listen, the Heat went and got a third guy in Victor Oladipo. Um, listen, I know Oladipo ain't where he used to be. I got that. But the guy's still a former All-Star. He's still a former All-NBA player, what have you. And... If he can get back to somewhat similar to that form, you got to understand, he is now on a team where he's not the lead guy. Like, let's get that correct. You mean, Oladipo, his, his career kind of transpired really, really fast, if you think about it. Went to Indiana, got drafted out of Indiana, first-round pick. He goes to um, Orlando. Yep. And he's like, eh, you know, okay, to okay, we could justify this draft pick, but he's not quite what we thought we was going to get. Get traded to the Thunder. We kind of like, uh, I don't uh, know, West, yep. Westbrook and this guy, right? Like, they yep. traded him over here. He, he he was a dud for, for most purposes. Then he get traded to Indiana. That's when we see him pop, right? He pops, become an all-star, become an all-NBA player. Now here we go. We think Oladipo on the road to success. Then he gets hurt. Never quite been the same since. We have to keep that in mind. In, the, in, the, in Indiana, he was the number one. In Oklahoma City, he was the number two. He did have his best year as number one, but we haven't really seen him bounce back from there. Now he's going to Miami, he would not be the number one in Miami. He might not even be the number two in Miami, depending on who you talk to. He's a clear, and he'll probably be clear cut, clear cut the number three option behind Jimmy and Bam. 
Yeah. Right. So um I think that votes well for Houston. So I like what Houston did. Now let me get into some of my losers. And these teams, both of these, one of these teams is my loser cause, just because they didn't do anything. And that's the Lakers. I, I just didn't understand. You see the product that you're rolling out there without AD and LeBron. You seen the product. We ain't guessing. We're not estimating. You seen the product. You seen these guys get blown off the court by the Pelicans. The Pelicans get smoked off the court. Brandon Ingram made an all-NBA case. They smoked him so bad. And yet it's still, you poop. I, I, look, look, I got it. The Lakers don't got a lot of leverage. They don't got a lot of pieces. They don't got a lot of money. They don't got a lot of nothing. They're just the Lakers, the brand, the glitz and glamour. I got that. Rob Palenka, to his credit, has done a lot with little. I got to give him that credit. He, he, he's been against the cap since he started working for the Lakers, and he still makes stuff happen. I just, you needed to do something. You had to do something to renew the energy of the clip. I mean, of the Lakers. Did I say renew the energy? This is what I thought the Clippers did until I looked deeper into this whole thing with Roger Rondo. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand why you get Lemon Pepper Lou out the building because he, at this point, the course that ran, I mean, he done ran his course with the Clippers. He done done what he done. I just don't think. I, I don't think he fit with the Clippers no more. Um, you know, it's a big change that it happened. He got used to Doc Rivers. Now it's Ty Lue calling the shots. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard came in, changed things, Paul George, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it was just time for uh, Lemon Pepper Lou to get out. And he did. He went to Miami, you know, good spot, splendid. Don't be mad at it. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, I get why they, they wanted Rondo. I get it. Playoff Rondo, I got it. Once the playoffs start, your roster might might as well be better. It might be phenomenal, but you got to get to the playoffs, and that's my my problem. What are you doing between now and when the playoffs start? When Rondo is not playing well, when Rondo is kind of like they call me playoff Rondo for a reason, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm gonna show up. Now I get the point of we brought Rondo in for the leadership. Cool. I just don't know if it's going to be exactly what they need with Kawhi being the guy he is, Paul George being the guy he is, and Tyron Lue being the guy he is. It just it seems a little bit <clears throat> petty by the Clippers. Shout out to uh, Jerry West because, you know, he always out here stirring up some smoke um, when it comes between the Lakers and the Clippers. So I am I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not really sold on that move. I'm not. um and then another team in the Eastern Conference, I just, the Hornets. I just felt like the Hornets would do something else. I, Brad Watermaker. Mike, you oh, finally fuck. got it right. Oh, fuck yeah. You, Mike, you finally <laughs> got it right. These boys are rolling. Come on, Mike. I just was hoping that you got one more piece to help them. Well, Lamelo out now. He's done for the season, so maybe, maybe that's why they said, "Don't worry yep. about it. He's done for the season. We'll just let it ride." But yo, he got something cooking with Charlotte. He really does. He just gotta do. He gotta make sure he don't let this slip away out of his hands because he got something cooking. So my winners, I thought, was the Nuggets, the Heat, 
Um, my losers was <laughs> both LA teams right now and the and the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I think the I think the the Nuggets and the Heat clear winners um, right here. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Gordon, he was a name that was you know circulating um, pretty in the days leading up. I think he wanted to trade, and they said, "Oh, well, I don't want to trade," and just just get on out. Um, and Denver, Denver getting him. Now you got to think about this because this starting out. Remember, they did give up Gary Harris, uh, but much like some guys, I'm about I'm about tired of Gary Harris. He just like Dragic as far as just, I'm concerned. He just hurt like before the game started. Yeah, and you can throw in you know a put plethora of other guys from other sports you got a little Deshaun Jackson to you right now um, so good riddance now you gotta think about Denver with this think of it because this starting five is gonna be electric obviously you got the Joker in the middle uh, you got Murray running the point Will Barton Will Barton can score the ball for you at the two guard and now you got two of the most athletic wings front you know three and four Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon um, if I got, you know, whatever guy running the break and my two wings are Porter and Gordon, uh, time for liftoff, folks. Get out the way because they coming for you. It's, you know, f- flight school is in session. So that's concerning. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're playing at, you know, the mile high. So you're already having trouble breathing. I think I think Denver Denver's really interesting right now. And. I know they sitting in the five seed, but you know, whatever. Uh, if Jalen Rose can come on national TV and say the heat are the favorites in a conference from the eight seed. Cause he said that last night. I don't know if you heard. Uh, I, I think De- if I had to pick somebody to come out the West right now, I would pick Denver. I would- hey, whoa, whoa. Yes. Let's not, get, let's not get disrespectful here. Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We ain't even seen them play yet. They already the favorites. Yes. Yes, I'm going with I'm going with Denver right now. But listen, obviously, the Lakers when they get healthy, that's going to wind up being the big deal. But I mean, I mean, really, other than the Lakers and their health, I mean, we saw Denver and Utah last year. Utah had them by the throat, but they couldn't finish them. I'm not sold on Phoenix in the playoffs. I mean, I know I know Chris Paul, but other than that, like, is Booker ready for this? Is Aiton ready for this? I'm not sure, and I'm 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 not sold on the Clippers right now. Their depth okay, has been their depth has been ravaged. No Montrez Harrell, no Lou Williams. I get it, playoff Rondo. I understand, but I just I'm I'm just looking at them right now and the depth that they don't have. I just I'm unsure about them, and I don't think I don't think they quite have enough. I, I like, and not only this. Think about the progression. That Denver is, they're making these strides in a very, it seems like a logical progression. Um, you know, they, they've had a lot of regular season success, you know, the last several years. Um, they lost in the semifinals uh, to Portland a couple of years ago. Last year, uh, they had three, uh, two, three, one comebacks, made it to the Western Conference Finals. Jokic is leading the charge right now. Uh, he's playing at a, he's, he's in, he's in the thick of the MVP race. And what we saw from Jamal Murray in the bubble, he hasn't been playing to that level, but he's still playing at a reasonably high level, you know, fringe all-star. And we know based on what he did last year, that he is capable of elevating his game to another level come playoff time. Now you got, and don't forget, 
Michael Porter. We know how hot he can get. Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee. Now you have a guy, you know, similar to what Mason Plumlee used to give them. You have an athletic big who can come in and help you in spurts and bring some energy, bring some energy off the bench. So mm-hmm. I know it, it's definitely and it's unlike me to be a little premature in the declarations, but I'm feeling myself a little bit right now trying to channel my inner Jalen Rose. I, I like Denver right now, and I think I think they're the team to watch in the West. Uh, but Miami, you covered Victor Oladipo right, right, uh, quite well. The great thing about Oladipo is he's coming into a situation where you don't need him to you know, come in and run a team. He doesn't have to come in like, you know, Indiana needed him to be the top guy. He doesn't have to be that right now. He can, you know, settle in, you know, get his feet under him, you know, play play free and easy because he's going to have, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam to lean upon, you know, Dragic ever comes in. He could be the fourth option. He could be the fifth option behind Tyler Hero. You know, that's how deep Miami is. But the good thing about him and what Miami is probably banking on there's some risk because, you know, low injury, you know, whatever. But if it works, he's a guy that can carry that can carry you. And he's a guy that you can rely on to close. And maybe you don't have to rely on Jimmy Butler all the time. And you'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable relying on Victor Oladipo than a young guy like Tyler Hero. So I think I think Miami, it may not work out, but I think the risk is worth it to bring Oladipo in. Uh, and they they do offensively. That's where he can help. They they struggle every now and again to score. And I think you know when your offense breaks down, when the defense um, is able to, you know, stop your you know whatever movement that you have going on in a late clock situation, you can just say, hey, here's the ball, Oladipo, get us a bucket. I think he can do that for you. Uh, you know, other th- I think though, and I think those are the clear cut two winners of the deadline right. um portland portland getting norman powell i think that's a big deal because now you go from uh a two-headed monster in the backcourt to now you have a third guy you can rotate in maybe you can get them all on the floor you can downsize a little bit um so i think now you have a a guy who if you know when lillard and mccullum go out of the game you can keep the pressure on and bring norman powell in and you still have to be very concerned, even though he's your third guy. Those, I think, those are your three. Your, uh, those are three obvious winners. And I would also say an underrated team that I don't think you know has got any talk at all. I like, I like Dallas. I like Dallas picking up JJ Redick and uh, Nicolo Melli. I think the, I think Dallas was lacking some shooting. And New Orleans, obviously, you know, they had no use for Reddick and uh, Melly hadn't been playing all that well. But I think Dallas, you know, don't forget, Dallas lost Seth Curry, big shooter for them. Uh, haven't paid, you know, the greatest amount of attention to him, but I don't think shooting has been something they've been all that great at this year from the outside. I think the team like the Mavericks could utilize Reddick and, and Melly still, you know, that's his, uh, that's his game is shooting the ball get some of his confidence back. So I think those are moves that could help them. Very underrated. I don't think, you know, people have talked about them all that much. But I, I do like those moves for that team. Uh, and, of course, now to the losers, I think uh, the the Lakers not doing anything. I think that's somewhat disappointing. Um, but, obviously, the wild card is the buyout market. You know, two big names, Andre Drummond, LaMarcus Aldridge. Because I do think they need – they. 
out of all these contending teams, they they need a big body in the middle because I, I'm I'm out on Marcus Gasol, you know, f- 15, 20 minutes at the most, and I don't want to see him play no more because uh, he just he's just a non-factor offensively and defensively he's just he's just a body with a reputation. He a shell of himself. Yeah. So I, I think so I think the Lakers if they <clears throat> don't do something in the buyout market then it's a real disappointment. And even with, obviously, LeBron and AD, they can get it done for you. But it's going to you, – you'd feel a little bit more comfortable if you got to upgrade at the five to help a little bit. Um, and uh, the Clippers, I'm not going to call them a loser, but you got to remember last season the reason I was so confident in them because you had two legitimate six men. You don't have any, you don't have either one of those guys now because they let, you know, and I think that's a, they paid a big price to get Rajon Rondo. You know, if I told you Rajon Rondo and Lou Williams got traded for each other and there's some extra stuff that got thrown in, you'd probably say the team that traded for Rondo got the extra stuff because Lou Williams is a, he's a better player, but that that's not what happened. Now I do get it. And we, you know, we talked about it, you know, we were talking about how the, Clippers needed some help at point guard. Rondo can give that to you, but I also think they also needed a guy who can, you know, maybe a little bit of a third score because again, your third score used to be Lou Williams and it's not now. And I don't think it's a fair expectation to think Rajon Rondo. We know Rajon Rondo is going to come in. He's going to distribute. Uh, he's going to run your offense. Obviously no one's going to question that but I don't think he's a guy you want to rely on to, to score to such a degree that they need. So with, with that said, let me, so is it possible, right, that the Clippers think with Kawhi and Paul George, maybe they think we have scoring. What we're lacking most mostly is leadership because that's yeah. what hurt them last year. Kawhi not very vocal. Um, he played a phenomenal player, but he's not that vocal as a leader. Paul George... I've never heard of him being a, a, a yeah. leader per se. Um, so maybe you bring in Rondo. The reason that they paid such a steep price, is it more because of what he can do in the leadership department or like what he do as a um, distributor? Because we know he's not an elite scorer. Yeah. So maybe, you know, does that play a role in that? I, I, yeah, it could. And I think leadership is something that they could use a little bit more in that. But don't forget, they—I mean—they do have—they do have still have some vocal guys. I don't know if you want to call them leaders, but your Marcus Morris, right. your Patrick Beverly's. I'm just right. looking at the standpoint when the Lakers got Rondo, we knew it wasn't for a a super big role. We knew it was just he was just going to come in and spots. The to me, this seems like there's a greater expectation being placed on Rondo. I think they're going to rely on him more than what the Lakers needed last year. And I guess that's where I'm concerned because I don't but think. That's, but that's because if you think about it, you didn't have that big void in leadership or scoring yeah. for that fact of the matter. You got LeBron James that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's probably the ultimate like leader. Behind. You got Chris Paul up there and whatnot, but you don't, you say Rondo, go out here and run this bench unit, get them right. And that's what he did. Like you said, now, I think he's going to be like, is hey, we need you to go out there and get Kawhi in the game. We need you to go get Paul George. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, it might be too much. We'll see, but I do agree with you. They're asking a lot, I think. The other um, 
you know, we, we talked about Boston already. Um, I have to tell you, I'm not, I'm not enamored with what Boston's got going on. I'm always, you know, at, during the trade deadline time, you're always looking to identify, you know, they call them buyers and sellers. You have to pick one. You have to pick if you're going to be a buyer or a seller. I don't like teams that do both. And I think that's what Boston did. Boston came out here. They got Evan Fournier, whoop de doo And then they trade Daniel Tice to Chicago. That th- Those two moves seem to be a little bit contradictory. I do hear what you're saying about the buyout market. If Boston is in on that and they're trying to get Drummond or Aldridge, then it makes more sense. But much like the Lakers, I think Boston and L.A., they have to get one of those guys in the buyout market for you to look at the trade deadline and say they did something. Because D- Daniel Tice is a pretty critical piece of that team. Doesn't, doesn't light up the scoreboard, but on the defensive end, he's a guy who is kind of their anchor. And without him, I do. And obviously, I like Robert Williams. I'm just not sure if Robert Williams is ready for this. You know, it's a, it's a pretty big jump to go from a guy who's playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes off the bench and a guy you push into the starting lineup and rely upon exclusively to be your five. That's a, that's a tough ask. And then, of course, you know, Evan Fournier. And the reason – this is the difference to me why I think Portland, the addition of Norman Powell is a much better addition of, Norman, uh, me, of Evan Fournier because we've seen Norman Powell on the biggest of stages. And we know what he can do. Um, Evan Fournier, we've seen him in the first round of playoffs. And I've seen him in the first round of playoffs. You know, the the magic of getting blown out. And Evan Fournier, you couldn't find him. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's the fourth quarter. We down 20 points? Oh, yeah, I got some three-pointers for you. Well, thanks. (laughs) We we already lost, Evan. We lost. (laughs) So I'm I'm, I'm not sold. I understand – Averaging 20 points, you know, shooting like 46% from the floor, a career, you know, 38% shooting from three. I get all Look, that. My, my question is, what is Fournier going to do? He's not going there to be a number one or a two. I hope not. I don't know what he was in Orlando. I I, I think in Orlando, you probably consider a three, maybe a three. Yeah, because you got to kind of put him behind Vucevic and Gordon, right? I mean, but he's, he's going to the Celtics. It's. Listen, the Celtics got their championship pieces. They're just building on a little depth. That's why I don't. I think it's a pretty good move. Did they give away some? Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, what did they get for Tice when they traded him away? That was okay. That was a three-team deal, right. I believe. They ended up with okay, Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner. So right. I don't like. So that's why I don't think Boston traded him away because they was like, "Hey, you're not." doing good enough or I think he just was a piece that was enticing enough to make this trade work. And that's why I'm not too I'm not too far away from the idea of Tice getting bought out and somehow ending back up with Boston just because they had to make that mm. move. Um I'm I, I, some tells me that could happen. But like I think you've been a little hard on Fournier because his responsibility is different. That matters. That's okay. That's a good point. That's a good point because you're right. I think, yeah, what he's going to be asked to do in Boston because Boston has Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. 
Uh, I'm just looking at a guy who, when I've seen him in the playoffs, I haven't been all that impressed. I think in this in this case, it looks like it could be more of a six man role. I'm just I think without Tice, because that obviously pushes Robert Williams up. But I think Boston with their best guys on the floor, we know they need Smart, Kimba, uh, Tatum, and Brown. Can you put? I don't know if you. You can't. I don't think you could put Fournier out them with those guys. That's that. Those are your best five players, probably. But they just. No, I think they're kind of. They're but. Make, make six, man. I just feel like they're going to be a little small, and obviously small isn't a bad thing in today's NBA. But I think they're going to. I think against in 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 some matchups and in a series, they're going to have trouble on the glass. Right. I you think, don't. You can't. You can't play the 76ers with that. You can't play yeah. the Walker with that. You might get away with the Nets because they three best scores are like. Whatever, yeah. but you're right. You it's, it's tough sell. It has it it it, ha- it almost has a little bit, and not as far as Houston went, but it, it's a little small ball to me, and I, I just think it may be a little too much. Obviously, remains to be seen how to work. We'll, we'll give it some time and we'll see how it works. And you know, maybe I am being a little too hard on Fournier, but also another thing, I, I don't think you said anything about the Bulls. I'm just confused. No, I'm confused about Chicago. Um, you know, you don't often see a 10 seed be this aggressive at adding like pieces that can help you right now. You get Nikola Vucevic, you get Daniel Tice. I, I don't know how, I don't know if I see that necessarily working, uh, but at least they trying and Billy right. Donovan, we know he's a good coach. Maybe he's got something in the works. Um, and also last point, uh, Orlando, it was time, Orlando, blow it on up. You know, you, you've had a couple playoff runs at the 7-8 seed. Uh, but, yeah, Vucevic, Gordon, Fournier, you can add in other pieces. You know, they – you know, it, it was time. So, props to you. It's, it's good to know. It's good to – similar almost to Houston. It's good to know when it's over and you got to tear it on down and start building on back up. So, congratulations. You figured it out. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of lot, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. You know it. Let's roll, baby. Texas man basketball coach Shaka Smart is reportedly in talks to become the next head coach at Marquette. Does this news surprise you? Oh, at face value, it did just a little bit. But you also got to remember, uh, six seasons at Texas, they've never won an NCAA tournament game. Um, they had a good season this year, but you know, losing to a 14 seed in the first round, not a great look. And he's a Wisconsin native. So there also is that angle to it. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are expecting forward Jaron Jackson Jr. to return from his left knee injury by the end of April. You looking forward to his return? You know it. Um, listen, uh, I'm not saying I'm the biggest Triple J fan, but I would say this. <laughs> when he's in the lineup and when he's with um, Morant, like they, they got magic. This The Memphis Grizzlies, they perform at a very high level compared to when he's not in the lineup. So looking forward to it. Do I think it's going to make any much of a difference as far as the playoffs go? No, but at least he gets to come back, get back into the, the mix, and then, you know, get healthy. And let's look on the next year, but I am excited that he's coming back. Tampa Bay reliever Nick Anderson has a partially torn ligament in his pitching elbow and will miss significant time, likely past the All-Star break. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. Uh, it's a big deal. Something about these relievers makes me say big deal. Uh, he's a critical part of that Tampa Bay bullpen, and we know how much Kevin Cash relies on his relief pitchers. Uh, he's one of their very best. 
Uh, and with that being said, I think it's going to be difficult to overcome. Not impossible, uh, but before I see how they manage manage the bullpen without him, I think it is a big deal. Pretty wild NFL trade went down yesterday with the Dolphins trading the number three overall pick to the 49ers for the number 12 pick. And then the Dolphins traded that pick to the Eagles for the sixth pick. So which of these three teams benefited the most from these draft pick swaps? I think the Dolphins benefited the most because they made the moves. But I think San Francisco did the better pick swap. Um, They moved themselves in position to get a quarterback. What quarterback? Yet to see. Two quarterbacks that I don't think going to be on the board by the time they pick. Trevor Lawrence, evidently, he's out of here. He already got a Jacksonville jersey on. And um, I think the, the kid, Zach Wilson, might be take, getting taken number two. I think it's going to be – you know how the draft goes. It's going to be some movement happening, but I think that kid gets taken number two. So then, you know, San Francisco get their pick of the litter. So, you know, I think, like I said, the 49ers got the better pick of all this, but I think the Dolphins made the most real estate for themselves by moving up and then moving back and so on and so forth. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy was pretty excited after he heard quarterback Dak Prescott sign his long-term contract, saying he wanted to do cartwheels. Imagine that. He also called Prescott the keystone of the team. What do you make of his comments? I want to do a lot of things in life, too. Uh, Sadly, some of them are outside of my abilities. Mike McCarthy ain't doing no cartwheels. And uh, Dak Prescott, you know, I get it, you know, $160 million, whatever. Uh, but if he, th- but if the Cowboys think Dak Prescott is going to be the keystone or whatever, um, they'll be eight and eight, and they'll be, uh, they might make the playoffs with eight and eight, but um, they're 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 not going very far with Dak Prescott as a leading man. Same old story: run the ball, Zeke Elliott. That's what you got to do. The Cardinals have signed veteran cornerback Malcolm Butler to a one-year uh, deal worth up to six million dollars. Uh, we talked about the upcoming pressure on Cliff Kingsbury for the upcoming season. Did this signing add even more pressure? I think it's possible that it did, but it's Malcolm Butler. Let's be real here. Malcolm Butler ain't done nothing since he got that interception in the playoff on a one-yard line on Russell Wilson when they should have ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch. So we know that. What what else you got? Like, I think he goes there. If he plays well, all right, cool. You know, if he don't play well, it's Malcolm Butler. I think for Cliff Kingsbury, personally, outside of J.J. Watt, I think because you Malcolm Butler coming there to replace Patrick Peterson, per se. For all intents and purposes, that's why they signed him. And I think he will be um, held more accountable for the offensive mistakes than the defensive mistakes. So I, I do think it adds pressure just because it's a new signing, but it shouldn't get him fired as, as some of the other moves I think will get him fired. Houston Astros shortstop Carlos Carrera has rejected a six-year, $120 million offer from his team and says he will not negotiate after the regular season starts. Your thought? I cannot, under any circumstance, imagine turning down that amount of money. Uh, But he thinks the deal was a little disrespectful. So um, uh, I'm a little concerned as an Astros fan, as you well know. uh, I'm already... You know, I'm still mourning the loss of George Springer. He went over there to Toronto. Uh, it's it's going to be if I lose George Springer and Carlos Correa, it's going to uh, it's going to be tough. I may have to I may have to take some uh, some time off to go through the, to go through <laughs> to go through the the grieving stage. Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, this evening on the Zone at the Europa Point Sports Complex in Gibraltar, it's a boxing heavyweight title main event for the WBC Interim World Heavyweight Championship. 
is a number six ranked fighter by the WBC, Dylan White versus Alexander uh, Povechkin. Drink, the winner of this fight, who do they get next? It's, it's tricky. Um, you know, I think if White wins, he gets a name. I don't know about old Poops in jail. I don't, I don't know. He, the problem with both of these fighters is they have a, a history of PD um, exposure, uh, both of these guys. So that, I think, you know, would it be a, get, a good win for either one of the fighters? Absolutely. But because of their history, I don't know if they'll get elite fighters yet. Because, you know, they they proven themselves to be untrustworthy in the past. So we'll see. Um, but I am looking at maybe a, a Luis Ortiz, um, one, a guy up in that tier. Maybe they get that. They don't get no Wilder. They don't get no Fury, Joshua. I don't even think neither one of these dudes get an Andy Ruiz at this point. So I'm, I'm going to say maybe, a, you know, Luis Ortiz or some of that, that tier. The NCAA has re revealed the budget for the 2018-2019 men's basketball tournament was $28 million, while the women's budget was almost half of that at $14.5 million. Does this information bother you? Not really, because the men's $28 million budget ended up making like $850 million, and the women's budget wound up losing $3 million or something. Doesn't bother that, me. Whoa, whoa. That's yes, real? yes, yes. Oh, wow. Yes, wow. so it don't bother me one bit. But you still can't have the weight room looking like that, guys. <laughs> tonight, tonight it's UFC 260. Miocic versus Nagano 2 on ESPN Plus pay-per-view at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a UFC heavyweight title rematch between the champs, Stipe Miocic, and the number one ranked contender, Francis Nagano, who you got drink. Uh, I'm taking Francis Gano in the, in the rematch. Here's the deal. Stipe put on a clinic, a, a pure clinic in the first one, um, showing how you, you know, a knockout artist, the scariest man in the UFC, Francis Gano, how you maneuver around that. He actually took a punch or two and still survived it. The problem with this time around is if you try to use that strategy again, I think Gano is going to catch him, one. And then two, Stipe had been through a couple of wars since that fight, so he might be a little slower to the the reaction. And I, I just don't think he can surprise Agano with the game plan that he did the first time. The first time, flawless victory. I mean, I love what he did. This time, I don't think so. I think Francis Agano catches him. I don't know what round, because, you know, Stipe is the GOAT when it comes to the heavyweight division. So, uh, you know, I, I think he catches him. Now, I'm going to say... Fourth, fifth round, one of those two rounds, he get he gone catch him. And once he catch you, you're out of here, folks. You don't live to talk about it. Um, so he get him, get him out of here in the fourth or fifth round. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a new heavyweight champion in the UFC. All right. Well, that concludes today's drink of wisdom. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the sweet 16. Enjoy the Elite Eight. Like, listen, share, subscribe. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. When I say we, I'm talking about me and Jay. Ooh. We going to holler at you until next time, baby.